everybody, welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast. It's myself and Terry Schwartz. Hello. No, no Chris Carl this week. He's at New York Comic Con. He's at New York Comic Con. We banned him. He's That's in timeout right. this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he can be naughty. So, <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Uh, we actually had some big news drop this morning. It's Thursday and we found out that Marvel Studios has themselves even more pictures in the works. I don't know. I'm, I'm wearing an old-timey shirt, so I guess I'll have to talk old-timey too, see? <laughs> um, she's not used to my, my uh, old-timey guy voice. I do Soon. it all the time. Soon. Soon. <laughs> One of these times we're just going to have you do an entire podcast. Entire podcast. Keeping it real. Perfect. Hey? Perfect. Uh, so we found out that Ant-Man's getting a sequel entitled Ant-Man and the Wasp coming July 6th, 2018. And then there are three untitled movies Marvel will now release in 2020. Dated that are technically phase three, right? Still phase three. They never they never specified. They said it you was phase started three. phase four with that. Right, that's what I thought it was. They you know? still counted them as phase three which movies is, in which the announcements. Which makes you wonder, and we can get into this in further detail in a minute, if there isn't going to be, if they're setting up this overarching kind of narrative almost for post-Infinity War, but we'll get to that. So the, the, the dates for the 2020 films are uh, May 1st, July 10th, November 6th. Now, because of these new announcements today, and this is all official, right, from Marvel, they re uh, they changed the release dates for Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Not the first time both of those movies have had their dates shifted. It happened. Spider-Man. Yep, Spidey. Troublemaker Spider-Man. Right, you know, he's a friendly neighborhood wall crawler until you have a movie in the pipeline. <laughs> And then in which Until case, you're it's Captain like, Marvel. Excuse me, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. I'm, I'm coming through. Yeah. So Black Panther actually moved up from July 2018 to February 16th, 2018. Captain Marvel, however, was moved back from November 18, uh, November 2018 to March 8th, 2019. Now that's uh, what about four months four and months or so. Black Black Panther got pushed up six months. Um, and the other movie coming out that year is Infinity War Part yeah. 1. So they're still, they're sticking to that three Marvel yeah. movie a year there's, plan. There's a... we're never going to run out of Marvel movies ever. No, I mean, let's face it, people. This is keeping the lights on everywhere for, for a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2018 is Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and Wasp, 2019, Captain Marvel, Infinity War 2, and Inhumans. And we will have a quiz on all those dates at exactly. the end of this podcast. This is, so you have to have like that Rayman-like ability. Yeah, you can't rewind. There's no rewind functionality no, on this none. right now. Sorry. We're taking it all away from you. So let's talk about, though, the um, given today's Marvel Studio announcement of the Ant-Man and the Wasp and these new 2020 release dates and the shifting of those dates for Black Panther and Captain Marvel, there, there was a vocal contingent of fans online not happy with the fact that Captain Marvel, yet again, gets postponed. Um, and I know, you know, uh, that this is... <laughs> I'll let you state it, because you were stating it much better than I was this morning, so take, <laughs> yeah, take we, it away. we sort of had a little uh, divide in the yeah. office. So, you know, I, do, I don't think that Kevin Feige at Marvel is like, ha, 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 gonna push back that one female superhero movie another year. You don't like, know he has a giant dartboard of Carol Danvers <laughs> Yeah, in his maybe, office. maybe Carol Danvers is just his arch nemesis and he's exactly. just trolling. That movie is not coming out at all. It's just one big Find troll. Find out he had an ex-girlfriend Carol Danvers. <laughs> no, like, I'm really excited Ant-Man and the Wasp was coming out. I really liked Ant-Man. I was so excited about the introduction right. of, of the Wasp and I can't wait to meet her as a character. Uh, but it is disappointing that the one stand, like standalone, you know, individual Marvel superhero movie, Captain Marvel, keeps getting pushed back, and now we aren't getting her into until 2019. It just seems, in a world where Marvel is moving forward, in a world, in a world <laughs> in a, but in a world where Marvel is doing a lot of things great, it's just surprising that it's taking them so long to diversify their slate in having a, a superhero have her own movie yeah that it's it's being pushed so far into but you jinxed also, me by saying that i was saying this so well earlier and i can't well, get this out right now i'm like but you also movies. pointed out earlier too because people the spin that marvel was trying to put on it in their announcement was that the wasp will be the first female superhero with her name in the in the title in the mcu uh which is not a great spin because she's <laughs> second billing in right. a way and 
you know, it's, I, yeah. It's, yeah, like it's, we have Black Widow. We we're getting Jessica Jones later this yeah. year on Netflix. Like, yes, there are a lot a lot of Marvel superheroines uh, in the mix, but at the same time, Marvel is aware that people feel this lack of diversity, and and Phase Three is supposed to remedy that. Right. And by constantly pushing back this movie, it's just disappointing. I again don't think it's vindictive. Like, it's clearly all business. Right. They can only put out so many movies a year. Infinity War, I think, is very important. Those seem to be like the the main tent poles that they need to hit, and everything yeah. else can move around that. But it's just a shame that Captain Marvel again had to be a victim of mm. this. Well, um, I'm going to address the part where you said business because I really do think it's it's simply a matter of you know they're announcing release dates and switching the movies around. They did it with Thor Ragnarok. They did it with Guardians Two. They just sim- I think it's just like a dog marking his territory of like, hey, competitors, that's our weekend. And they'll plug and play whatever they have to around there. Now, Captain Marvel's only getting pushed back four months. and But a full year. Like, it's it's a year. It's 2018 here's, to here's the, here's the glass half full way okay. to look at it, okay? <laughs> Which is, instead of coming in the third movie you're talking about in 2018, she's the first movie you're talking about in 2019 and kind of setting the tone for the rest of that year and the way that people are looking forward to like, so when they do their big, you know, 20, you know, movies coming up this year, it's not like you're getting stuck with the sort of Fantastic Four slot of like, well, you're the end of summer movie. And, or in her case, uh, its case, uh, it was originally November. So, you know, you're going up against, and we don't know too how much of this is coming from Disney and some of the Star Wars stuff they have planned too. Maybe maybe there's some Star Wars announcements and they just simply don't want to be sort of cannibalizing their own stuff. And we actually do have a, a reader email about this that I can get to in a minute. But yeah, I, I, I just, it is only a four month delay. If it had been pushed a, a year, like an entire year, a real year, not just from November to, to March, is it to March? Yes. yes. <laughs> Marvel, stop changing rates. Um, it's, failed uh, the it, it would be, yeah, exactly. Uh, it would be, I think, even more troubling because it's been in development, you know, for a while. It was only officially announced last year, yes. But um, people want this movie. And, and I yeah. still am surprised. Like, obviously, we keep comparing DC and Marvel to one another. Wonder Woman is going to come out far before Captain Marvel is at this point. And 20, like, we're already toward the end of 2015. People have been clamoring for a Marvel uh, female, you know, led superhero movie right. for years and now it's four more years on top of that it's it is a long time those reasons yeah. aside but we were talking a little earlier about how it seems nearly impossible that that's going to be the first time she's actually introduced yeah. even though that is her first movie we actually Kevin Feige reconfirmed recently why she that she was originally supposed to be uh in the Avengers, Age of Ultron, I almost said Civil War, uh, end of the movie when we see the The new Avengers. Uh, So, you know, whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which has been denied, but who knows what's actually happening. As evidenced by the fact that they're changing release dates so much. Yeah, or even, you know, who knows what it is, but I'm sure that she's going to get some substantial character introduction, maybe like Black Widow did uh, previously in Iron Man 2 and and kept sort of getting involved in Captain America the Winter Soldier, that I, I feel like we we will see her at some point. It just it is a shame, even if it's purely the fact on paper that we aren't getting a solo Marvel superheroine I, movie until I 2019. I do wonder if there aren't some other, you know, again, business factors at play. Like maybe the actor they have in mind for her and the director they have in mind for the movie, um, may, they probably know something. They, they certainly know a lot more than than we do about what's going on. So maybe it's that they had to push the the movie too because of whatever window in their schedule where they can make the movie, they weren't going to make that release date. And rather than change it when the thing's in production and they already know like they weren't going to make that date and it looks bad for the movie, like, oh, is the movie troubled or whatever? Um, You know, even, you know, Ant-Man got bumped too during its troubled production. So I think maybe they're just trying to be cognizant of all the many different moving parts. Maybe the script's not quite there yet either, you know? Or maybe 
they're using Captain Marvel as a way to kind of shoehorn in things for Infinity War or a post-Infinity War world and they require a little bit more time. I just, I, I, I would just advise fans to not, not despair too much. It does, does suck that it's getting postponed again. It always sucks when these things get kicked down the road. Especially, especially, especially this one where it's, Yeah, this is a very special this movie is a, and something I think a lot of people... This is a banner movie yeah. where it's like, this is, this is going to be a, a, a milestone, you know, and yeah, but it's, uh, but they, they did it. They're, they're pushing it, so I guess <laughs> The more we'll we talk about it. it, the more of a change <laughs> yeah. is going to be yeah. made. Let's just call I up swear. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but on, on the, the Captain Marvel front, do you think that, um, you know, if, if we do get her ahead of time, and you did say that you know there, maybe they'll take the Black Widow route. Do you think there's any chance that maybe they'll use the Netflix series as a way to kind of introduce her? Is that? I mean, it's so street level; it doesn't seem likely. But yeah, I don't think so. Just because yeah. they have made a point to keep them so separate. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've already introduced Inhumans on Agents of Shield, and no one is even answering that question because goodness knows what the state of that show will be by the time. Do you 20- think she could pop up in Agents of Shield? Well, that's oh no no no. I just mean the the way that the shows and the movies are right. affecting one another that they're sort of standalone. I don't think that they will introduce Captain Marvel on Agents of Shield or or, or Netflix simply because she is such an important character right. and when fans are already having the sentiment that she's being pushed aside she's sort yeah. of being you know put on the shelf <laughs> to introduce her on one of the shows even though that might not necessarily be meant as a slight could certainly yeah, be felt that way and i think at a certain point it way, is yeah political because she is an important character you know uh black panther we're meeting in captain america civil war if, right. if you're like although we were talking beforehand too about how you know the conversation and when they did the big announcement up in, in the theater and at the um, el capitan el capitan theater, theater in los angeles they uh they had you know they introduced chadwick boseman on stage and he's standing between Cap and Iron Man. It was going to be about the three of them. Because and he was sort of filling the Spider-Man role in the comics. And then they got Spider-Man, and now nobody's Spider-Man. really talking about Black Panther, you know. And it's like though my argument, know? I think that his role will remain the same. I think people are talking about Spider-Man because we're like, what is going on with Spider-Man? Right, right. He's really just fifteen. Okay, but what is going on <laughs> yeah. with him? So I think that that's the reason why the conversation has moved. Well, to him, uh, we have a reader email from John, who asked. Hi, John. Uh, <laughs> Hello, John. Uh, with and, and kind of address this a little bit, but with Marvel increasing their, in, this came in before today's announcement. So with Marvel increasing their yearly output to three films a year, and with a Star Wars film once a year, is there a real possibility of Disney, parent company to both, uh, eating into their own audience? I mean, there is only so much time available to see so many films a year. What do you think? It is a fair concern. I mean, yeah. I don't think that they'd want to have them come out, you know, back-to-back weekends or, yeah. you know, especially not the same weekend. They are fighting for the same audience. They are fighting for the same audience. So I think that's definitely a valid concern. And I think that when we look at the, as you sort of touched upon earlier, when you do look at this sort of like chess game of figuring out which pieces go where, I think that the larger scope definitely plays into it. And I think you can even expand that to Pixar and some of those, those other movies that they're working on. Because the worst thing I think a studio like Disney could do is eat into its own audience. Yeah, I mean, that's considering how brand heavy that is mm-hmm. like they definitely don't want to uh step on their own tail <laughs> <laughs> um, uh now let's uh I, actually before you know i want to hear we want to hear yes. I'm sorry um about uh, what you folks think of captain marvel getting shifted and black panther getting shifted um you know do, do you think it's a slight do you think are you how disappointed are you that you're not getting Captain Marvel at the uh, end of 2018, as you had been promised. So let us know in the comments. Um, I want to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp some more, though. Yes. Because, because that is good news. It is good news. Bad, the bad after or bad effects of it aside, it is good. You know news. what it is? It's like it's like a weird you know birthday where, well, we got you the bike, but. That electric guitar you wanted, <laughs> it's on layaway. You're not getting it for till next year. You yeah. Know? Uh, but Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, you know, clearly 
they set up Evangeline Lilly at the end of the first movie. And, you know, we, we saw the outfit and all that, and she had that little quip, what, about time, I think mm -hmm. she said. What do you think the movie could actually be about? I think uh, the, the consensus amongst fans seems to be they're going to go into the quantum realm and find her mom. They're going to find Janet Van Dyne and old Hank Pym could join up too because maybe Ant-Man and the Wasp isn't necessarily just referring to Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. Yeah, I I hope the plot of the movie is not trying to save Janet Van Dyne, honestly. And this is something we also you we talked about this a lot. Die. No, 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 we talked about this a lot earlier because we were very in that <laughs> Well, it's been a while. this next year I was wondering about that. Isn't Microverse or the uh, Quantum Realm whatever it's uh doesn't time stand still there cuz that was what I was curious about was like that's like a brutal way to go. Like she's right. physically starving and nowhere, you know? Well, I guess we will have to wait and see how they well, play it so. in the MCU. But no, I honestly think that there could be a post-credits tease in one of the upcoming Marvel movies leading up to Ant-Man and the Wasp where we see Janet Van Dyne or we get some hint in one yeah. of those movies that she still exists or that this this hunt sort of continues for her. And I but think that Doctor could be... Doctor Strange will do that. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that would be a much more interesting way to enter into this movie, but you're right, I do think that we will meet Janet Van Dyne yeah. in this movie and have Ant-Man and the Wasp have sort of this duality between both pairs. Yeah. But I would love it, there to be some other, you know, larger quest that they're going on, especially yeah. with the proximity to uh, Infinity War and how these very uh, large you know, battles cosmic or, yeah, events, cosmic yeah. events, but things that are changing not only the course of, of the small, intimate story that we saw in Ant-Man, right. but the entire universe. Yeah, I want to see them actually paint on a bigger palette this time. And, you know, I, I think it's probably inevitable that they'll end up kind of, if they don't go after Janet Van Dyne, I bet you at least maybe there'll be more flashback stuff of young Hank and young Janet that we, you know, they had their masks on in, in Ant-Man 1, but could be an excuse to, you know, bring in, you know, uh, these younger characters for a flashback, a prologue, yeah, preamble. At, at the same time, I it. don't want this movie to undersell the fact that it is Ant-Man and the Wasp with the characters that we know, like Evangeline Two, Lilly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two Wasps, Hope, one movie. Hope Van Dyne, I, I completely echoed her sentiment of it's yeah. about time. Right. And I'm so excited to get to meet her wasp because I think she will be so awesome and so badass. And I want her to get 50% of this movie. You know, I don't right. want her to be. Well, she could have done the job in the first movie. And, you know, and they I love explain the, like they don't want her dad yeah. to, doesn't want her to get But it's like, yeah. Well, I was talking with Evangeline Lilly about that actually. And what she said is that they got to a point where it was a problem in the script where they couldn't keep justifying why Hope wasn't doing everything. Like <laughs> yeah. it didn't make sense because she was so capable. And I thought that they did a pretty good job of yeah. dealing with that. But she is one of the most capable people in the MCU right, right. now. And I want her to get her fair share. I, I wonder, uh, I would imagine we're going to see new suits and everything too. Like, you know, she gets her armor, but if they are going to have old Hank Pym maybe suit up, uh, which I bet you Michael Douglas would enjoy that instead I'm of sure. sitting around, you know, scratching his beard. Um, you know, do you think Tony Stark's going to build him a new suit or is it going to be Hank building him a suit? I'm sure it would be Hank. I yeah. don't think that Hank would want to let other people yeah. touch his don't, technology. Don't, don't touch his particles. He not like that. Evangeline did say that she has uh, two Marvel movies and one uh, like cameo in her contract. Oh. So if this is one of those movies, you know, maybe she could be in the post-credits tease that I'm speculating oh, that and now want cool. to be an actual thing searching yeah, for Yeah, I mean, geez, what if, what if the post-credits tease in Doctor Strange is Wasp showing up to find her mom and... and Asking for some help or some yeah. insight into it, yeah. Or it would that be awesome. she just is there in the in the quantum realm, mm -hmm. and you don't even get. And maybe they, I don't know. I'm <laughs> fanficking this thing. We want to hear what you you folks think. Uh, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp should be about. What kind of do you want to see them go into the quantum realm to get Janet, or you know, basically just let her starve. That's that's what I'm, that's what <laughs> I'm got wondering. Dark so fast. I'm just saying. I, I'll take it to those places. Longtime <laughs> listeners and viewers know this. Uh, let's move on and talk about speculate on those 2020 movies, though. Okay. Okay. There's. You have a good theory. What was my theory again? I totally forgot. I told you. Fantastic this. Four. Oh yeah, Fantastic Four. And I and and I had uh, some readers tweet 
me about this uh, this morning. Um, do you think we're gonna, maybe, maybe the 2020 stuff is because Simon Kimberg, the writer-producer of Fantastic Four, was asked by a Hollywood Reporter in a, in a story today, um, are there talks about Marvel getting them back? And he said he honestly didn't know. Um, and maybe he wouldn't be necessarily looped in if they were. Um, he didn't say that, I'm just adding yeah. that part. Um, so, possibly Fantastic Four, but as we've said in past uh, podcasts, to me they're kind of a damaged brand, mm -hmm. but they do fit that cosmic way that they're going, so Yeah, it could make sense to bring them in after the events of Infinity War. It's, yeah. it's sort of hard to imagine what Marvel will be after Infinity War because we're already so far, we're four years away from that anyway, yeah. and that's was such a game-changing arc in the comics, it's bound to change right. many things we know to be true about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that it is really interesting that they tacked on three more movies yeah. after that. Like, we've, we're already so overstuffed in phase three. I wouldn't be surprised if they, after the fact, come in and say, you know, one of these movies is phase three like we did with Ant-Man, but then two more start phase right. four. Uh, but I, you know, looking back a little bit, I think, Personally, I wasn't crazy about Ant-Man as the end of Phase 2. I think it would have had a lot more oomph if it had ended on Age yeah. of Ultron, you know, yeah. love or hate that movie. And I sort of feel the same way about Infinity War, that, that I think that could be a great way to just put an, a, you know, an end to that chapter and start yeah. over with something new, even if it is Fantastic Four or some yeah. other completely new characters that we well, care about. Well, I wonder, because, you know, we're getting the, uh, the solo Spider-Man. Oh, I should say, but they already said Inhumans is after Infinity War. Uh, that's anyway. 2019. No, it's 2020, right? Uh, oh let me God. bring I'm up. I have the this. dates here. Again, Marvel, <laughs> stop switching stuff around. No, it's listed as 2019. I, oh, okay. I had so, thought it was supposed to be 2020, but I, I, I also get it mixed up with the Green Lantern reboot, another cosmic <laughs> superhero movie, which is set for 2020. But no, the, according to this list, it's But is it after... It's after Infinity War. Okay, two. so that totally invalidates my so whole thing. So 2019 would start with Captain anyway. Marvel, Infinity War, and then Inhumans. Mm -hmm. uh, now 2020 is going to have these three mystery movies. Um, that's a crazy amount of movies. If you think back lot, to how dude. few were in Phase One, to how many oh were in, it, it's, up I to can't right keep now. up with this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so the Spider-Man reboot is 2017. Some here are some other theories okay. about these mystery movies. A Spidey team-up movie, you know. Drew Goddard did say that his Sinister Six idea could totally work in the MCU because it was supposed to be standalone. Right. Right. Okay. All right. It's I'm possible. On board. I'm, I'm on board. So maybe a Spidey team-up. Maybe you know Fantastic Four, or maybe something uh, that Joshua Yale submitted uh, this morning. Our to, comics to editor. At comics IGN. editor. Uh, <clears throat> New Avengers. That way you have Spider-Man leading the Avengers, a younger, fresher team. Oh, that would be awesome. I mean, they're kind of, there's some groundwork there already. Yeah. And, it, and if uh, what Feige was saying to you, right, was that Infinity War is going to basically be the end of the Avengers as we know it. You know? Right. So that does that, kind that, of... Yeah, the team is going to change pretty substantially. That's what they said at yeah. a Q&A recently promoting yeah. Age of Ultron. So... I think no matter what happens, it is going to be a, a major overhaul of the characters yeah. who we've come to know. Um, and we, I guess maybe those Vision three... and Scarlet Witch could get their movie. Oh, that's true. That yeah. Elizabeth Olsen was talking recently uh, in an interview about how much she would love to see. That them. would be. I mean, come on. There's a lot of freaky stuff you've got. And it's true. That. You're right. They don't need to necessarily be new characters being introduced. They could yeah. be sequels. They just don't want to give away now what those sequels would be. I mean, Falcon I, could be getting his own movie. Right, you know? yeah. yeah. I think one of the issues that they had with the Age of Ultron uh, coming out is that they'd already announced so much of the Phase 3 lineup, right, and that right. sort of lowered the stakes. And so I hope that they keep those movies a mystery for a while, because if they do want us to be concerned about whether you know Captain America gets out of it or, or any of the various Avengers, then you can't say, oh, well, you have Captain America, Captain America 17 yeah, coming exactly. out after this. Uh, um, so, yeah. Oh, in the, another idea for 2020 movie that we bounced around this morning was what if Rocket and Groot get their own movie? <laughs> I mean, that'd be great. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. They're just kind of palling around the galaxy. Or maybe it's Adam Warlock or some, yeah. some, some stuff. People 
the sky's the limit now with with Marvel. Uh, you we, pick your favorite character, and they're going to get a movie, and we're going to move Captain much. Marvel back for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wonder Man now gets his own <laughs> movie. You know. <laughs> uh, let us know in the comments what you folks would like to see uh, these three mystery movies be in 2020. Uh, now let us move on to things not Marvel. I refuse. But DC. Okay. There was a report today from the tracking board that. The Justice League Dark movie, a.k.a. Dark Universe, that has been uh, long in development now. Guillermo del Toro no longer directing, but he will produce it. Mm -hmm. And he's getting uh, another producer, a big Hollywood heavyweight guy named Scott Rudin, Oscar winner. He's done friggin' everything. He did (laughs) No Country for Old Men, Social Network, Steve Jobs. Um, You might know his name from the hacked Sony emails. Uh, he was the one who made some, uh, his, rude is in his name. He made rude comments about Angelina Jolie. And, but yet he also was the inspiration for Kevin Spacey's character in Swimming with Sharks. So, um, so he though. So good news. <laughs> he, can, he can, look, this guy can get things done. Mm-hmm. And uh, him coming into a DC movie is, that does class it up quite a bit. This guy does a lot. Of, he, he's done Wes Anderson movies, Coen Brothers. You know, it's a pretty, he can draw on some talent, Fincher, everything. So, furthermore, the report states, he's moving so fast that they could start filming by next year. Oh, wow. And, and that's that very w- close at this point. And that it would uh, exist within the established new DC movie continuity. So it's not going to be, uh, I guess, like the Captain, <laughs> I almost like Captain Marvel Shazam movie, um, where it's going to be, because it's a new line, it's slightly not that, but we'll see if that hangs in there. Are you s- stoked about uh, Dark Universe, but a Justice League Dark movie? Yeah, I'm still bummed that it wouldn't be Guillermo's movie. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot last week about how much we enjoy him <laughs> as a filmmaker and an auteur, but I think that if they, when they do, it seems like, find a new director, they should have someone with a similar sensibility, someone, right. you know, like Edgar Wright or someone like that who has their their own very unique, distinct style. Wouldn't that be a swipe at oh. uh, Marvel? <laughs> and I didn't even mean it like that. But no, I think that you if you should do the Adam. <laughs> yeah. a, you know, just to really like, I just want to make a movie about a small man. <laughs> that was the one goal. No, but I think someone who the audiences know what they're getting right. uh, with that filmmaker. And it's sort of interesting. That's sort of the obvi- the opposite of uh, Marvel's strategy, which is find very talented directors, but people who are able to work within this larger yeah. whole. And I think that DC is going the other way where they're ta- bringing in very respected producers and they're bringing in, you know, well-liked directors for the most part, uh, and and having them sort of she bit her lip. As she yeah, I was like Zack, Zack Snyder. Snyder <laughs> people, how do they like to divine him? Uh, no, but but bringing in these people who do have their own unique styles and and are able to throw that up on the screen and yeah. not be restricted by this larger brand. So I think that that's really the way to make that movie a success because it you know dark universe. That's it's well, a lot of weirdness. an interesting uh, name to throw out there because. Uh, in this report saying that it was going to be part of the the larger D- DC universe and that this Justice League Dark will they'll eventually kind of interact down the line with the regular Justice League um, and they in they made a reference to Guardians uh, this would be kind of like what Guardians is to Avengers mm-hmm. so I mean maybe Justice League Dark they're looking at it as this could be our supernatural Guardians of the Galaxy. This right. could be, you know, Swamp Thing. Is he basically their Groot? You know, and 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 also, and, how dark are they going to make it? Like, dark is in the title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and Guardians obviously is not that dark of a movie, mm. and it seems like DC is going a lot darker than what Marvel has been doing. Yeah. A, a bit less family friendly. So, yeah. you know, who is a director who can keep that levity and keep, yeah. you know, that that brightness in it, even though it is a dark movie. And I think that's something Guillermo is able to do yeah. in his movies and something that they should, you know, not find Sam someone who's- Sam Raimi could. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like not someone who's a direct copy of Guillermo, but someone who has those right sensibilities. You're right, right. No, I think that's, it's absolutely, um, you know, something where you, you can find, you can find the, uh, you have to find the light within the dark. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think like, uh, you know, the kind of uh, 
furthering the parallel with Guardians, I mean, basically John Constantine would be like the British Peter Quill. Right. You know, and and there are there are you know, yeah, it's actually it's interesting when you when you start thinking about it, you can't kind of line them up like that. So I'm sure you know Scott Rudin's looking at that like that's some paychecks right there for yeah. uh, that'll that'll fund all his uh, artsy films and his <laughs> Oscar bait movies. Um, now let's or he uh, can turn that into an artsy Oscar bait movie. Right. Wes Anderson maybe could do it. Oh my God! Wouldn't Can you imagine insane? Wes Anderson doing Justice League Dark? <laughs> of <laughs> all the Wilson movies, is, is going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would I see like that supernatural. movie. Supernatural. <laughs> um, we want to know what what you folks think about this news about Justice League Dark. Um, you know, what, what, how do you feel about Guillermo not directing it, but still being involved creatively? Um, and who would you like to see direct it in his stead? Uh, let's talk. Let's talk now about the overall future of many uh, big Hollywood franchises because there is uh, news to boot in the last uh, the last week about what's going on with some of the biggest franchises out there. Spoiler alert: They aren't going away. <laughs> They're not going away. <laughs> they are sticking it, around forever. <laughs> well, speaking of, of one that is sticking around far longer than I, I I think a lot of us would care for is. Transformers, that's going to be around for at least another decade, according to Hasbro Studios' uh, boss, um, that they're already working on, you know, uh, they're already working on five, but we six, seven, and eight. So that's like for the next decade. And that's just the main Transformers um, uh, saga. There's going to be the spinoffs and I think the Cybertron animated movie and stuff like that. So that's, uh, that's happening. <laughs> we we also though have the Terminator franchise, which is not dead. Not dead. Well, but delayed here we go. Indefinitely. Here we go with I this think is one. The wording. Now the Sky Skydance uh, uh, CCO was at an event, and you know the initial reports were that the franchise is on hold. It mm -hmm. bombed domestically; it didn't even crack hundred million. But thanks China, it made. Like something like three hundred and fifty million dollars. It made enough money to that you you it, wouldn't it, necessarily pull the plug right. on. Right. So instead of saying it's on hold, the spend they're saying is they're readjusting the franchise. Yeah, and what she said essentially was, well, something worked about this movie, but a lot of things didn't, so we're figuring out how to fix that. Yeah, let's see here. I actually have some of the the quotes. Uh, yada yada yada. Uh, I want to say on hold so much as readjusting. Happily, we live in a world where the domestic number had a level of importance 10 or 15 years ago. I'm not saying it's not important, it is, but we have to play to a worldwide market. In terms of Terminator, the worldwide market paid attention, but we're not taking the domestic number lightly. Uh, goes on to say they'll use data and research to do a worldwide study and really talk to audiences about what they loved and what maybe didn't work for them so that the next we take with the, the franchise is the right one. Um, I'm just gonna come out and say it. Just kill the Terminator franchise. It's done. There were only two good movies and a TV show that's well liked but flopped. It's done. There's nothing left. There, you've taken every blood from that stone that you're gonna get. And as long as they're sticking with Arnold and John Connor, like just skip ahead 100 years. And tell me something new. Otherwise, just pull the plug on it. They've tried rebooting it like three friggin' times, and they haven't captured what yeah. it was that worked. And and which <laughs> maybe it was just Linda Hamilton. Movies, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I mean, what really bothered me deeply about Terminator Genesis is the fact that none of its answers were ever intended to exist within that movie. Like, the only way you understand the events of that movie is watching the second and third, which, you know, on the surface, like, that's how a lot of these movies are are yeah. created, but structurally, it's like a huge flaw and <laughs> and really sort of repulsive in, in the, no, it, like, it really, it, like, disgusted me that, that it was so clear that they never had any intention of, you know, having this movie be a fully formed movie. Yeah. And in that sense, I'm like, you know what? 
wrap those things up. Like, yeah. like if you're going to make another movie, make one more movie. Don't make a trilogy. Right. Wrap them up. Just have it out there for the sake of, like, creating a story. Right. Like, this isn't a TV show. This is a movie. A movie should always stand on its own as a property, even if it is servicing these these other stories and I think that's where you have an issue sometimes with second movies and trilogies with movies like Age of Ultron that have so many uh, needs yeah. yeah that have so many needs beyond just being a great movie and yeah. I think that in trying to reboot a franchise as big and as well liked as Terminator despite as you argued you know there only being two good movies in it uh, you know you're, you're trying to service too many things. You're trying to make this true to the original while also being a movie on its own, while also hopefully launching a new series. Just make one good Terminator movie. That's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's I just, it. I just, feel like, I just feel like the mythology isn't holding up under the, yeah. all this. I feel like it's just... Because it's retconned every time. Yeah, and it's just, once you get locked into hitting 1997 or hitting 20-whatever... You know, and once we pass those years, like, it just doesn't, you got to stop, man. You just, either it's a clean reboot or just jump ahead in time. And and frankly, I mean, you know, even Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't necessarily save it, you know, and right. when he came back. Um, you know, obviously overseas is a different story, you know, but nobody domestically walked out of that movie saying Arnold's back. Right. You know, it's like it didn't do that either for him, you know. So I just feel like the movie, that franchise just needs to retire. I will say, you know, switching gears back to Transformers, which you mentioned, I have not even seen the most recent Transformers. I'll say that. Some of you guys might tear me apart for saying that. But that franchise or really... Or thank you. Send you flowers. Maybe. But that franchise guys, really lost me. I think we found me. a Transformer. <laughs> that's the movie. That's it. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Yeah. No, like, I, I really actually did enjoy the first one. And after that, I oh, think yeah. they just went off the rails. Yeah, the first one's fun. And know? so I roll my eyes, you know, first instinct when I see oh, another decade of Transformers. But I respect the fact that Paramount is saying, like, these movies make money no matter what. Yeah. Um, they, they do extremely well globally. They're obviously going to keep making them, but they had this writer's room that was basically like a TV show's writer's room to try and figure out, you know, get some creative juices flowing, figure out Big what the stories are going to be. Not just, yeah, not just, good people you know, like Akiva Goldsman and, uh, and, Kirkman. and Robert Kirkman from The Walking Dead. And so that actually gives Carol me Pinter. hope. No, no, that gives me <laughs> some real hope for what they could do with this series and maybe make good substantial movies yeah. for Transformers. Because I think, you know, love or hate them, those last few movies are not the most well-formed or well-thought-out oh movies. that movie. last one. Like, I've been forgiving of the Transformers movies because, you know what, Michael Bay does what he does, and he does it better than people who try to do, you know, his style. Mm -hmm. um, but that last one was just... It was so shameless in so many ways. It was shameless in its pandering to China, uh, and they and it is a story. It was pandering in its, um, in its, its sense of humor or lack thereof. You know, it just yeah. everything about it just didn't work for me. I just didn't care for those characters. It didn't make sense as a story. I. Optimist didn't seem like Optimist to me anymore. I think a creative reset is good for that series, yeah. even if it's not a reboot or something like that. But just getting some new minds into it yeah. might be the best thing for it and, and could actually put out some really quality products. So right. I'm surprisingly optimistic, surprising myself about my optimism <laughs> wow. for that franchise. Okay, so that's your glass half full. <laughs> not Captain so. Marvel. Not Captain Marvel, but Transformers. Okay. Oh, God, who am it's I? It's a new day. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Let's drink. move on. Let's move on before. <laughs> um, so, so we've okay so we've talked about that's two big franchises down and like three left to go okay. here <laughs> let's talk about somebody speaking of being totally over something daniel craig is so done we are not over daniel bond craig movies. daniel I craig is over james daniel bond. craig yeah. daniel craig is over the whole james bond thing mind you he's out promoting the new james bond movie and when your quote sure he's being glib and he exaggerates and it's not the first time he's griped about being bond and every Bond actor does that at some right. point. But when, when you make this very visceral remark that I would rather smash this glass and slice my wrist than do another Bond movie, that tends to get picked up places, including here at IGN. And that's maybe not 
what you want the conversation to be going into your big expensive movie. Right. Especially if it's your last one. And with context to that, he's saying, you know, maybe ask me in a year or two years yeah, how I'll feel then, but right now I need a break. This is a lot. And also something I thought was interesting is that, you know, usually when you're performing, you aren't thinking about uh, how you look, but so much of Bond is focused on being cool and, you yeah. know, his persona. And that's apparently... Now his, his version of Bond. Yeah, know. and apparently that's just been really exhausting yeah. for him, which I thought was an interesting comment. But yeah. Kind of Jackman's been saying that too. And, yeah, but you know. saying, you know, you'd rather kill yourself yeah. than make another Bond movie isn't a huge sign of confidence for a movie that Spectre looks awesome. I'm yeah. very excited about Spectre. I love Spectre. Skyfall yeah. and it's the same I think he'll group be great. as back. But yeah, it's it's. I, I just feel like as the guy who is the 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 front man in that band, if you will. Right. Like your job is to sell that movie. Just I know you're tired. I know you probably just stopped filming a few months ago. But dude, you got a thing to sell. This is very expensive, and this is a thing that has changed your life. You know, and I'm not sitting here trying to lecture them, man. I'm not James Bond. <laughs> but but it's just like you have a job to do, and that's you're hurting thing that hundreds of other people worked on you know and I don't think he he didn't intentionally mean to do that but you know it's it doesn't you have to be mindful of everything that comes out of your mouth when you're promoting your movie it I is, mean look at Matt Damon and the March right. and all the, the backlash he got for glib remarks that he didn't probably think about when he was saying you know? right yeah it is interesting Not though that, that it hurt that movie, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah it is interesting you know given that the conversation even before Daniel Craig said any of these things was about whether someone should replace yeah, him and not even whether but who like yeah. it's almost you know a foregone conclusion that he will be on the way out and he's he's certainly had a good run yeah. as Bond and maybe and what he said is that he would hope that whoever else takes up the mantle does it even better than what yeah. they've been doing which I think is a great goal to strive for but if he really is that done with it then have this be a great final act and you know act respectfully maybe don't keep making well, comments like that because he also said he also said just because the the wrist slitting part just wasn't enough he also had to go on record and say if i do another one it's only for the money right so okay when he let's say he does another one and he's out there promoting it that thing is going to keep coming back to haunt him every time he's like well we have a cracking good script nobody's going to believe you because they're just like you said before you only did it for the money. Right. But no, really, this one has a great yeah. script. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the issue, you know. I feel like the best interviews come when actors let their guard down, but then this always is the issue that if your yeah. guard is down, maybe you make an offhand remark that is looks terrible on paper and really yeah. does, you know, hurt things. I don't think that this will necessarily hurt Skyfall, or Skyfall, uh, Spectre, <laughs> too many ass movies, in the long run. Um, but I do think that it is a sure sign, and hopefully studio executives feel the same way, that we should start finding yeah, maybe, a new bond. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's time to... to launch in a new direction there. Yes. Um, speaking of launching new directions, me my segues, <laughs> Furious 8, new trilogy, says Vin Diesel. Final trilogy, says a Vin Diesel. Final trilogy, Diesel. too. Yes. Uh, and we now officially have a director uh, and it, for Furious 8, and it's F. Gary Gray, who worked with, uh, well, first of all, he's coming off the huge success of Straight Outta Compton. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's worked with both Vin Diesel and The Rock before in movies. He did Be Cool with The Rock, uh, and then he uh, did uh, uh, what is it, A Man Alone with Vin Diesel. I mean, yeah, with Vin Diesel. Um, and uh, he really is like kind of a, uh, you know, if you're not going to get Justin Lin or James Wan back, um, he's a good, he's a good fit. Like it's it's good casting, if you will. Like mm -hmm. he he's. He's an experienced action director. He did the Italian job, so he can do car chase stuff and make it fun and all that. Uh, he's good with ensembles, as his other movies have shown. Um, and you can slap the name from the director of Straight Outta Compton out there, like you need that in Fast and Furious. Furious but it's 8 certainly from the director of Straight Outta Compton. You know, and if if <laughs> they're going to get into the rap game now, you know, and I, I just think that it's uh, it, it's it's like I said, it's it's good casting. He's a good fit for it, and. And I'm sure the studio is happy that because some of the bad press they had about the hunt for the director and everything, he, he is like the safest and smart choice too, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I have no complaints and I'm interested to see what this next trilogy will be 
for yeah. for the Fast and Furious franchise. Horse racing. <laughs> I would totally yeah, just <laughs> travel back in time and have a yeah. few horse races. I would absolutely be there opening night. Speaking of traveling back in time, you weren't you didn't work for us when. Uh, we did for, I think it was our April Fool's Day joke this year was, we did Fast and the Furious, Back to the Future mashup oh, video. Oh man, that yeah. could happen, let's make it. It could, We're it coming could. up it's to the universal. Back to the Future, <laughs> to universal. To the future day. Um, now Ghostbusters, they are reportedly going to do an animated movie, which uh, will exist within the sort of the continuity of the now rebooted Ghostbusters universe, mm -hmm. um, the way that the animated Spider-Man movie that Lloyd and Miller are doing uh, exists within the Marvel Sony rebooted Spider-Man universe. I'm confused. Or at least it doesn't, or at least it won't negate anything that happens. In right. The, other one. the Ghostbusters reboot confuses me. Okay, hit me. I want to hear this. No, just what the. Are they just trying to hit every possible audience to make sure that this franchise like remains significant? I don't think anyone who loves Ghostbusters would say like you need to put your hand into every single pot. I just, I mean, in this are you, are purely you irked by because I'm a little irked by. It's one thing when you get, you know, okay, we got Bill Murray to make uh, a cameo or a small role, but when you bring back Sigourney and Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd, it's like that's gonna pull me out of the movie every time yeah, I'm just curious up. what the goal is beyond making money right and that's yeah. sort of how I look at there a lot of franchises now <laughs> and I don't think that there is and that that's really disheartening and I think should pull fans out when you're saying is your goal solely here just to make your own money or do you do you have some like I don't know just hope for the creative property that you're trying to make and i'm i'm all about that you know female ghostbusters right movie. i i wish that there was a way for me to describe it without calling it the female ghostbusters movie yeah. it's just a ghostbusters movie it seems awesome it yeah. just seems like it'll be great but when you start with there and then you're like but we're also doing like a male ghostbusters movie and we're doing an animated yeah. ghostbusters movie and then there was the discussion at one point that wasn't like Oh, it's gonna cross over with Twenty One Jump Street. No, that was no, Men in Black. Men in Black, but still, like they're trying to. Sony, they, yeah, they could all knows? end up back. But Men just, in Black. yeah, I think that that Sony maybe is just floundering right now and yeah, trying no, to throw everything against the but wall. But also, like, like to to kind of go back to Terminator. I mean, if Terminator only had two good movies, Ghostbusters only had one good movie. It had. Hey, there are Ghostbusters two defenders. It's not awful, mm -hmm. but it's not the one anybody's going to necessarily be like, you know, well, yeah, there's one good okay. <laughs> but, but there, you know, there, yes, there was the cartoon, um, but honestly, I don't know a lot of people that actually remember the cartoon as strongly as they do other cartoons of that time. I just feel like, you know, in the rush to gobble up release dates and just the business of everything overwhelming the the presentation of it, I wish that they could just wait and see how the yeah. first Ghostbusters project that they're reboot that they're working on is doing before announcing all these other ones. And maybe I mean we we're part of the problem in that we we report this news and yeah. we blast it out there and maybe so you it's heard just, it here first. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're the over. we're the Done. problem. But you know, you, it is sort of this big cycle where the news gets announced about something someone cares about. It gets put out there. The fans glom onto it before they really know anything about it. And and I, it I'm you know. Yeah. fully guilty of that right now but it just it's not anything that has me excited right. and it also just makes me concerned for what they're doing with Ghostbusters. Yeah you do wonder uh, you know Paul Feig is a nice guy and he does seem like he's come up with a, a, a good take and everything however you do wonder how much sort of studio pressure and meddling and universe building is being hoisted on him at mm -hmm. this point, you know, and, uh, and do we need a Ghostbusters expanded universe? Like, is that I something that don't. that it seems franchise... like Ivan Reitman was pushing for it, and mm -hmm. uh, and Sony, mm -hmm. you know, they want to make they want to print that money, and to me, it's in, in, to you as well. Like, it's not a given that you're gonna print money. Yeah, and like we could be looking back at this four years or five years or however long from now and saying we were the biggest idiots ever, this all worked so perfectly, We'll be this too is busy great. talking about Marvel's 2020 movies yeah, point, Exactly, though. just looking that far ahead. But but for now, I you know, there's no vote of confidence for me right. on this that, that gives me enthusiasm for what's ahead other than just making me confused. Yeah, it just sounds like a lot of fan service too at this point. Um, 
Let's move on from Ghostbusters and talk about Star Wars. Uh, now, there are some uh, just rumors, casting rumors, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I can nail her name. Gugu Mbatara. No one is here to tell you you said it wrong, so. You know, I can say that, I can say Gugu Mbatara, and I can say Adawale Akini Agbaje. I'm very proud, I'm very impressed right now. But I can probably slaughter a lot of other people's simpler <laughs> names. Uh, you look at my last name, so I, 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 do, I do feel for folks who have to spell or explain their name. Uh, but she was in Jupiter Ascending, okay? And she, a uh, small role though in Jupiter Ascending, but she, she basically played Giant Ears character Alien, right? Yeah. Uh, and then she was also in, um, oh my God, I just forgot Bell. it. Well, Bell, uh, but the uh, Beyond the, it was a music thing. It was basically like the bodyguard. It was her and Nate Parker, Beyond the Music or something like that. I, I'm sorry, I just wrote about <laughs> this the other day. Uh, hadn't seen the movie, so sorry about that. But she is a very talented, Lovely British actress. Oh, that's pandering. I'm sorry. You see a lovely actress. Uh, but she, she's um, uh, a fresh face on the mm -hmm. scene. And she's. Uh, and the rumor is that she would be one of multiple female leads. Yeah, that in there are Star at least Wars two female leads. Yeah. And Tatiana Maslani does seem like she's out of the running. Yeah, she, it seems like she's leaning towards this Boston Marathon bombing movie called yeah. Stronger yeah. over this, which, you know, as or much. Or maybe she got turned down for it. Or maybe she got turned down for it, yes. Yeah. I, you know, I think that that is not a terrible thing. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I adore Tatiana Maslany. She's, she's going to end up in one of these. She's if so talented, but I also Marvel think that. Marvel should just poach her at this point. Yeah, I mean, she's going to get a role in it and it's going to end up being the perfect role for her, beyond you, Orphan okay, Black. Okay, uh, not, not to circle back too much, but what do you think about her for Captain Marvel? I don't know. I don't know if she's what I picture. She's very small. Okay. I sort of imagined Captain Marvel to be a bit okay. more imposing, little, to be able to tall. stand up among okay. the guys. But on, on the Star Wars uh, Episode Eight front, uh, that's the, she would be up for a role in Episode Eight if I wasn't clear. Um, do you, uh, I mean, this does seem to be a nice sort of new day for Star Wars in that you know it is going to be a more diverse cast. Um, uh, it's going to have more female roles instead of just Princess Leia mm -hmm. and Mon Mothma <laughs> showing up for a speech um, and uh, Shmi Skywalker. You yes. Know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, Padme. Okay. <laughs> you know? I loved Padme when I was younger. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, oh, you were not the best written female <laughs> character ever, but your hair thing was weird and cool. I had well, Carrie Fisher had that too. Yeah, know. it's true. Um, but uh, I, I think it is cool that, you know, we could have uh, two female protagonists, if this report is true, in episode eight, and that it's, you know, I wonder if, if you know, could the villain be a woman in it? Could, could, could we be, because I know Benicio is a villain, but uh -huh. it would be kind of cool to see you know, especially with Captain Phasma coming up now, like more female villains in Star Wars too. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. Instead of just the mustache twirling Brits. We know? had a chance to go to the the Disney store on the Walt Disney Studios lot. That's where I got this awesome shirt. I hope that BB-8 BB is not a racist and or something terrible <laughs> that makes this a bad purchase. Uh, but when we were there, we'll one digitally of, wipe. Yeah, it out we'll just we'll months. just cut that part out of yeah. my shirt. Uh, but while we were there, we were talking with one of the employees about Captain Phasma and. What she said was, she's like, you know, I almost wonder, will she become good? Will she be a villain who turns Ooh. out to be a hero? And I was like, you know what? I hope not. I hope that she's just like deliciously evil yeah. and awesome. And I love Gwendolyn Christie. I think she's phenomenal on Game of Thrones. Like, just let her, her have fun with that. Yeah. We don't need a redemption. Because she's we already she's a already like a, a, a good guy on on Game of Thrones. So I'd like to see her, you know, use her kind of physically imposing pr uh, presence yeah. and make her. Um, full-on villain. And we've never had a Star Wars female villain before. I mean, yeah. it's it always feels a little frustrating that we have to qualify them like that. Like, yeah. you know, we've had great Star Wars villains, but we haven't had a great Star Wars female villain. But at the same time, you know, I don't think it, it should matter yeah. one way or another. I think that we should have both in it, that it shouldn't be a big deal as long as they're well-written characters. And I right. think, and this is, again, coming off of, like, nothing that we really know about Captain Phasma all, other than... Yeah. 
I love Gwendolyn Christie and she looks badass. Yeah. Um, but I would hope that she is cool and great and stays a villain and maybe we get other female And I villains. hope they don't kill her off in this movie either. Oh, I yeah. want her to stick around for a few, you know? Please, please. Uh, I would be so devastating. I know, seriously. <laughs> Again, knowing there nothing will be, really about There will this be movie. riots in the theater. People will not like that. The nerds will be very unhappy. Yes. Um, no, watch, she kills BB-8. <laughs> that would just be... Geez, I'll put her... That would be like a love-hate thing right there. Like, oh, she's she's such a deliciously evil villain, but she killed BB-8. She could know? decapitate him not knowing <laughs> that he's just a magnet. <laughs> that would be awesome, actually. Um, you know they're going to have to do something like that with him at some point. like Because they always oh. had C-3PO getting blown apart, right? right? Maybe. Know? All right. Um, well, we kind of want to hear you. We kind of want to hear it. We, we do want to hear it. <laughs> you know, you know uh, your thoughts on Captain Phasma, Episode Eight, all that jazz. Um, let's talk a little. Let's give a plug actually for our our comrades in New York who are covering New York Comic Con. That is this week. Uh, now, not really big movie presence there, but plenty of stuff on TV. Plenty of comics uh, stuff. Marvel TV will be there in, in force with. Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. So we're... And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent and, Carter. Yes, all of that just... Uh, so there's going to be... In, maybe there'll be some movie tie-in announcement mm -hmm. stuff to that. I mean, they did, you know, obviously announce their big uh, movie release date shift uh, today. But be interesting to, to hear, like... And then Luke Cage will be in, you know, Captain America 57 or whatever. Well, what's weird is that... You know, while those connections haven't necessarily been going in both directions, and Kevin Feige even said, you know, that it's inevitable that the movies will have to start directly referencing the, yeah. the shows at some point. But, you know, we already have the Netflix expanded Marvel Universe where those shows are all building up to the Defenders, sort of like what the Phase 1 did with... Um, with uh, the Avengers. And right. then over on ABC, we already have two Marvel shows, which are uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. They're also working on um, on Mockingbird. I almost said Mockingjay because I we've know. been talking about the Hunger Games. <laughs> Mockingbird, which will be a spinoff with uh, Bobby Morris and Lance Hunter. They're also apparently working on a damage control comedy, which is about the people <laughs> who are cleaning up after the messes the Avengers make. And there's an still awesome and there's still this mystery John Ridley right. series that is going to be a Marvel show over there. So that's five over there, like what five I guess on on Netflix. And we have all the movies. At a certain point, they just need to focus inward instead Seriously, of saying, "How are they going to connect to each yeah. other?" I mean, this is this is crazy. It's it's going to be an amazing juggling act. Uh, one other thing I want to mention about New York Comic Con that I found pretty funny was. Uh, the free Wi-Fi there is being brought to you by LexCorp. Uh, LexCorp, I'm sorry. I, I watched the. They released a promo video. They launched mm -hmm. a viral site for it today, and it's. Uh, I always thought it was called LexCorp, but it's called LexCorp. So, uh, but I do like that the BVS uh, marketing, viral marketing, is being led by Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. um, he did a, an interview with Fortune magazine where he revealed sort of this rivalry with Bruce Wayne. Um, and, you know, because uh, Bruce Wayne didn't really want to go after, like, government contracts mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, which is unlike the Christian Bale Batman because all his stuff was basically military R&D. And he had his whole government cell phone contract thing for his, his, uh, his eyes and ears thing on the ground mm -hmm. from Dark Knight. But, uh, yeah, I just think that it's it's kind of interesting that Lex Luthor is actually leading the charge on well, Lex, Batman. Well, Lex, apparently he talked a big talk, but what we've heard from our colleagues in New York Comic Con is that the Lex Corp Wi-Fi is not the greatest. So yeah. maybe he should step up his game. Or yeah. Bruce Wayne could come in and save the day. Ooh, now that... Could you... Oh, come back a Wi-Fi wi rivalry. <laughs> well, one thing I want to talk about the Lex Corp um, uh, thing was that the, the viral video was talking about an operating system, the launching a new mm -hmm. operating system. And it got me thinking, again, going back now to Terminator, it reminds me sort of like Skynet and Terminator Genesis where they're launching this new, aren't they launching a new operating system or, or something? And yeah, that's Genesis is yeah. what will infect all of them and they'll all willingly connect themselves to So I to wonder, it. Is, is Lex Luthor's plan basically in Batman v Superman 
sort of somehow a sky night, a sky net type thing? Maybe. Or, I mean, it's a very modern type of technological yeah. fear that a lot of, you know, properties are sort of mining and it would make sense. But this is a movie that has a lot. Maybe it ties into her instead, yeah. you know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a movie that's juggling a lot of things and it would be interested interesting to bring you know together something so based in our own world and our own fears Ooh, I wonder if that could tie into maybe Justice League movies maybe they're maybe they are trying to pull a Marvel here and, and plant the seeds that much maybe yeah that out, would be know? that would be smarter to have like a long throw yeah. instead of something that they're dealing with in this movie because they already have to do a lot in introducing these Batman characters introducing Wonder Woman and introducing how they all fit together with Superman right, right. Uh, well we're curious what your your folks thoughts are on the Batman v Superman viral marketing on the LexCorp stuff on what we were just saying about the uh, the Skynet-like operating system. Uh, I, I don't think you announce a LexCorp operating system and not have it become part of a villainous plot. It's, it's a little too easy not to. But it is very clever marketing one way Isn't or another. Isn't it though? <laughs> it's great. Uh, now let's talk about uh, in our in our few moments that we have left here some movies opening up this weekend. Um, we have, oh, a couple of things actually I want to clarify about last week's podcast. Yes, I screwed up. Rita Coolidge saying all time high in Octopussy. <laughs> I want to just own up to that. Thank you for the, the, the viewers and listeners for pointing that out to me. Uh, and then we actually have uh, a message from somebody about uh, Mars Needs Moms. Oh, yay! Curtis. Yay! Curtis wrote in and he said, uh, I've seen Mars Needs Moms. It is a D Disney animated movie, and yes, it sucks. So thank you, Curtis, for that. Actually. <laughs> thank you, Curtis. Curtis from Ireland, too. Oh, I, I, I used to live in Ireland when I was a wee Oh, lad. yeah, well, well, maybe he was a childhood friend who just felt like you needed some <laughs> like Mars Needs Mom support. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then, I'm so impressed every time someone says they saw that movie. I, right? I'm like, good for you. you you're, you're one of the six people. That movie is a huge <laughs> flop. You should, like... Wear that like a uh, like a, a badge of shame. <laughs> no, no, pride. I've been so happy that people have actually responded I, to that I had call to the action. thing here and I lost it. Um, oh, yes. So, uh, opening this weekend, Pan, mm -hmm. uh, with Hugh Jackman as Blackbeard, Peter Pan, origin story. Um, have you seen it yet? Yes. I it have not. sucks. <laughs> it's awful. I read an article uh, on Mashable that's saying it's in fact so terrible that you need to see it. That it's like it's just this Look, this big cultural moment for just how terrible movies well, can Alice be. Well, Alice in Wonderland was horrible, and that thing made a billion dollars. So I'm, although Pan is tracking at really bad, like mm -hmm. legitimate big flop numbers of like mid teens, and it cost them like 150 or 200 million right. dollars or whatever to make. It cost way too much. Well, and Joe Wright will always have atonement. So I like Joe Wright too. That's the thing. Like he, he just. This isn't his wheelhouse, and some of the acting in it is horrible. Like it's that big green screen, uh, big face green screen acting of ah, like that. Yeah, you know? uh, the article that I was referencing basically referred to uh, Garrett Hedlund's character Hook as Vincent Adult Man from BoJack Horseman, which made <laughs> that he that he was Vincent Adult Man, but that uh, a voice from like another galaxy was speaking. He for sounded him. he sounded like Nixon. He sounded like Richard Nixon. He's doing this whole thing. This like, is making me so interested in going to see it. Go see it, it then. Now. Go see it. Fine. You're young. You still have years ahead of you. Lose those two hours. Okay. Go ahead. I'm trying to save you, but never mind. Um, also opening up uh, this weekend, but only in New York and L.A., so for our listeners there and viewers there, uh, go check this one out, Steve Jobs. Mm, Saw yes. that this week. That's awesome. Yeah, I've only seen overwhelmingly positive things. I was supposed to, I was going to go with you and then yeah. work kept me, oh God, work keeping me away from <laughs> seeing movies for work. Uh, I've only seen really positive things and I heard that Sorkin's take on it is just it's so exciting really, and fun it, to it's, watch. You know what, uh, him and director Danny Boyle, they embraced the whole think different slogan. And it's a really inventive, cre you know, very inventive and ballsy way to do a biopic. Um, it's not the cradle to the grave kind of uh, uh, typical structure. It is very theatrical. Sorkin was a playwright, um, and it's basically a backstage drama behind uh, three different product launches. And um, and but the heart of the uh, story really is his estrangement from his his daughter and his denial of paternity and and how 
he gradually has to sort of come to terms with that and, and warm up to her um, as much as he can. Um, and how his own sort of being adopted affected him in that regard. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very well-acted, well-made movie. Uh, um, Fassbender's fantastic. Yeah, he doesn't look like Steve Jobs, but you don't really care. How is Seth Rogen? Because I always he's assume good, that but he's not in it that much. Okay. He's, uh, I mean, he's in it. He's definitely, you know, Waz is a big part of it. Um, but it's a supporting role, and mm -hmm. he's he's fine. He handles his own with that uh, Sorkin dialogue. And uh, Kate Winslet's really good. Mm -hmm. She plays um, what is her name, Joanna Hoffman, I think, who is uh, basically his right hand person at the company. Had to fight a lot of battles for him. Had to put up with him. Kind of his, you know, they joke in the movie that she's his work wife and all that. Uh, and she's good. Her accent, oddly enough, kind of comes and goes at times. Huh. Um, but she's supposed to be a, a, a Polish immigrant, uh, and you know, in the first act, I didn't really notice her accent, and and it's earlier in the timeline, and then her accent got stronger later oh, into the movie, um, and there were some uh, rumblings that Steve Jobs' wife, um, his uh, uh, who's not in the movie, is not even mentioned in the movie, nor his children from that marriage. It's only uh, Chrisanne, his his one-time girlfriend, and Lisa, his his uh, daughter, uh, his oldest child. Um, you know that that Jobs' uh, wife at the time of his death, his widow, uh, was basically kind of pressuring Sony and Leonardo DiCaprio and Christian Bale to pass on the movie, which mm. I think is kind of an interesting inside baseball thing. And then finally, some other stuff opening up this week: uh, Knock Knock, which. Mm -hmm is getting horrible reviews, including from IGN. Yeah. Uh, Eli Roth and Keanu Reeves uh, movie. I think it's going to be on VOD as well. So that's everything opening up this week. Uh, the Martian did really well last weekend, about uh, just under 55 million. So that's expected to stay on top of the, the yeah. box office again this weekend. You saw it, right? I did, yeah. You I liked had it. since I, I really enjoyed it. It was just yeah. such a great movie-going experience. Right. Like, just... In, exactly what I want to get from yeah. going to the movies. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was one of the best Matt Damon performances that I've seen in a really long time. I've, he really got to play to his strengths and I felt like the yeah. writing really supported that. I thought, you know, there were, have been some complaints about, you know, all the supporting cast members maybe not getting the the most time to shine, but I think that showed great restraint from Drew Goddard in not feeling the need to give every character in the movie their own story because that's when you get very bogged down. Like yeah. there's there's one A to B story being told and feeling like you're coming into these characters' lives for, for brief moments yeah. during the point. Of, like that's, It's that's, about taking him home, not yeah, about... Yeah, totally. And know, I think that yeah. that's what I find really enjoyable about movies like that. And so I was really impressed. And just visually, it was it was yeah. beautiful. I saw it in I 2D. Ridley Scott's best thing in years. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that's going to about do it for this week's uh, podcast. Check us out on Twitter at, at Jim Bavida, at Terry underscore Schwartz. I got yes. that right? Yes. Right? The underscore Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> uh, send us your thoughts at keepingitreal at IGN.com. Uh, and uh, let us know in the comments below any questions, thoughts you have. And for all things movies, keep it here on IGN.